Welcome to the School of Travels podcast. I'm your host, Becky Gillespie, and each week I bring you stories of how travel can truly change your life if you take the chance to get out on the road and step out of your comfort zone. My guests also share travel tips and lessons they've learned along the way, which I hope inspires you to let travel be your teacher. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the School of Travels podcast. Before we start today, I have a question for you. Do you have any childhood dreams that you still haven't achieved? Since the age of seven, my guest this week had been dreaming of buying his own sailboat and living on it one day. And in 2020, right in the middle of the pandemic, my guest Jippe achieved his dream and is now living on his own sailboat right in the middle of Lisbon, Portugal. Join me now for Juppé's entertaining story of how he achieved his childhood dream and his plans for his boat in the future. If you believe in freedom and the power of do-it-yourself versus just coasting through life, this is the podcast for you. Welcome to episode 60 of the School of Travels podcast. Listeners, today I have a very special guest with us in a very special location. I'm here today with... Jean-Philippe de Bourse, but uh, utterly known as Juppé. Jippe, it is so good to be with you here on your boat. Thank you, thank you. Can you please introduce your boat to everyone? What's her name? So her name is Santa Teresa. It's a, a, um, a sailboat and the marina of uh, Alcantara in Lisbon. It's so amazing. I found out that Jippe lives a six-minute drive away from me Hooray. in the harbor. It's it's such a small world here in Lisbon. Yeah. And today we're going to learn all about how did Jippe get to the point where he is now living in a boat in Lisbon? So well, first of all, Jippe, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I'm Jippe. Um, this name is actually a contraction of my uh, first name, which is Jean-Philippe. I was named to my father and my grandfather, which is Jean and Philippe. So it turned out to be Jean-Philippe. Um, and so I, I have to explain how I got here, right? Um, we can get there, but like, what do you what do you basically do? So, work here in Lisbon? Um, how would you define yourself to people? Oh, I would define me to people. Uh, uh, to define is to limit, I think. So uh, let's say I, I, I do a bit of everything and try to do my own way without uh, leaving every, anyone behind. Um, but um, so I, how I started, uh, well, the boat thing, because uh, this is the main thing, I guess. Uh, I started, uh, well, it's a very simple story. At seven uh, years of age, uh, I moved to the coastline of Belgium with my parents. And uh, my father asked me what uh, I wanted to do as a hobby or as a sport activity. And I saw, uh, whilst uh, walking along the, the shore, I saw uh, sailboats on the horizon. And I said to my father, I want to try this. And uh, the day after, so uh, my father took me to the local uh, sail club in, uh, in Coxede, in Belgium. And uh, we went to ask uh, to have some sailing lessons or to be able to have, have a sail. And there was this old man eating his uh, fatty soup. And uh, he told me, man, can he swim? And I was like, uh, okay, I can and my father responded, yeah, you can swim, there's no problem. Tomorrow at, at 10, so uh, tomorrow, the day after at 10, I was there and started sailing like this. 
Wow. Yeah. So you had lessons starting from then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, lessons, I'm more of an autodidact in that way that uh, I could use a boat from friends. And we started sailing like this. Then uh, I had a friend who was sailing uh, also. And we kind of hooked up in that way that he, he and I uh, started to go sailing uh, very often together. Actually, for the anecdote, that guy is now my brother-in-law because he fell in love with my sister. So my ex-partner uh, in sailing is now the partner, uh, the life partner of my sister. And they're having a baby soon. Oh, wow. Yeah. Amazing. Mm. So that was, like you said, you were seven and you sold yeah. these boats. Yeah. And you were sailing, you were taking sailing lessons with your friends yeah I'm in friends yeah yeah and this came out to be uh, like a hobby like more of a passion so I started fixing my own boat and and having all these kind of things then I also did some uh, land yachting so this is uh, the same principle as sailing but with little carts on the on the on the beach in Belgium we have a very wide beach so you could go there and drive uh, those things more or less at 100 kilometers an hour which was a, a huge adrenaline shot. And I did this in competition level for a year or two. How old were you at this time? Uh, then it was already uh, the 15-ish, the 16-ish. Okay. So, but then everything um, around uh, girls and going out went interesting. So we had a bit of a break there. But still sailing was a huge passion. I used it as a way of uh, escaping uh, everything. And uh, being a, an ADHD guy, it's very good sailing because you have to take care of so many things at once. It keeps your mind busy. And uh, as a matter of fact, it gives you a bit of relief in the way that you're busy with anything, but also having a Zen way of uh, and Zen train of thought. For me, that's the, the most beautiful thing about it. It's also the, f uh, the feeling of freedom because you're actually working with the elements. You're never going to win about it. But uh, so you're working with wind and the sea uh, to, to have a distance, to make a, a result. So that's very, for me, very satisfying. That's great. Yeah. I always find the rocking of the sea and just staring out at the sea on all the sailing trips I've been on to just be such I a love it. I really love experience. it. I really love it. So then uh, out of this came that uh, I kind of studied engineering. So that gave me the possibilities of fixing everything and anything on a boat by myself. So which was nice and I was technically good and interested. So I did well in, in school more or less. I was a bit bored though, but uh, yeah, I think that every uh, 16 adolescent, uh, 16 year old adolescent uh, has this. Then uh, I did the engineering school and went out with that. And after that, I did some architecture school in Ghent and graphical design. So I, I had to thrown it on another pace and um, and uh, just did that. Uh, because I, I liked it and uh, because the art world also interested me. Uh, so after that, um, I, uh, went, um, I went on to go for the careering. So I worked in a, in a company that made uh, industrial protection for uh, the automotive industry. I uh, had an experience uh, on doing some uh, um, industrial protection. 
Then I had uh, another experience as a simple electrical engineer. I worked for Volvo uh, in their plant in Ghent as, um, as an engineer also. Then there were a few other jobs. I also had the, the pleasure of working with my father in an art gallery uh, when I was more in touch with this art kind of thing. Um, I had a few years there with my father, which was a good experience, but uh, didn't end as planned. Uh, and after that, I uh, had the call of the sea again, so I went working on sailboats. And um, I started being more interested to that again, so I did uh, five years of professionally uh, sailing and preparing boats and having everything uh, installed into boats. Oh, Which, were you on the, on the yeah, trips with people as they went? No, no, no. Or? I was more uh, the guy that uh, prepared the new boats. So the new boats were uh, delivered without any options. And we put it on the mast uh, and built it in the diverse options that the clients wanted. So that learned, that gave me the opportunity to learn everything that happened on a boat from A to Z and uh, have a good thorough uh, image of what's happening in a boat uh, whilst it's aging. Um, and I did this for four years professionally. Also, when a boat was uh, delivered, I could sail it from one place to another to deliver it to the client where he wanted it. I did this for a few times also. And after this, um, there was a few other professional experiences. Like, I worked in a, a plastic um, engineering uh, factory in Ghent, which was for me the worst experience ever. Why? Yeah, well, uh, I was creating plastics uh, that were actually so bad for the environment that uh, I was disgusted by it. And um, I really didn't feel good about uh, doing this job, so I quit. And good then, yeah, because uh, this door closed and another door went open because in that time, uh, waking life uh, started happening. So it was the development uh, time of uh, Waking Life, which is a festival of arts and music in Crato in Portugal. And so here we have the the big jump to to the Portugal histories. Is that based on the movie? By no. The same name? Uh, well, there's a little bit of touching in there, but uh, it's uh, it's a way of living. It's, it, you can only. Describe the festival. Actually, you can't describe the festival. You have to be there. I've heard a lot about it. It's but... a very special festival where a lot of mind-like people get together. And it's about... Uh, everybody can give its own definition. And for me, it's about opening people's eyes to what is possible and what people are capable of. So you have an idea. Uh, well, share it, uh, construct it, try to try to be uh, positive about it, and 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 it's not only talking about it, but just do it. So, and this is what for me waking life is a bit all about. I had people coming in and they weren't able to hold a screwdriver, and uh, two years later, when I met them again on the same festival, the guy is showing me a whole room. He 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 he. he he screwed together and the whole freaking thing was perfect and he told me man thank you for this because thanks to you thanks to the just do attitude 
Man, thanks to that, I have a room that is full of bebops that I'm super proud of. And I wouldn't ever be started without you. And this for me is the biggest thank you you can get. And the Festival of Waking Life is is actually a constant thing of this because we're creating structures for adults to be amazed. So it's something special. It's not just something. Uh, We try to amaze people and to have them entertained and to show them that, yeah, you can put your time in something cool. And you can have, uh, you can enjoy your thing and make people enjoy it. And so there is fun to have in life. And showing it to people makes me proud in a, in a way. And doing this with teams that are uh, not 100% technically capable, but showing them the, the possibilities and helping them to realize a vision they had on paper or in their minds. I, I love it, this is my kick. Um, and then, yes, yeah, so Waking Life happened for four years. How did you find Waking Life? Well, actually they were a bunch of friends of mine that organized parties in, uh, in Ghent. And uh, I got, um, well, you know how it happens. Uh, you're kind of creative. Uh, there's some creative people around you and you start talking to each other. And after a while, those guys became my friends. And uh, yeah, they were artistically uh, developed and we kind of could communicate in that way. And they gave me a huge chance actually, and they, they trusted me with this, is make something on the water for uh, drunk people and partying people to go on. And I accepted the challenge in the first year. It was just like uh, stupid drafts. And then we upgraded every year and every year. And we arrived to a floating lighthouse in the middle of a lake. So, which is still standing there at, at uh, as we speak, actually. Um, so pretty proud of this. And this wouldn't have happened without the teams around me. And I'm very proud about uh, them and about uh, the cooperations we had with the several teams to uh, to make uh, those dream images and dream uh, remembrances uh, for those festival goers because uh, this is awesome for them and for me too. How long did it take you to build the structures and how long is the festival going So for? the um, festival takes a five days, I think the last one was, uh, but that was two years ago almost, eh? um, because of COVID then didn't happen. So I, this is also why I got stuck here in Portugal. And um, so we typically built production and uh, I had to do the, the water and plan and uh, check the structures, etc. for uh, two months in front. So we had two months to build production and uh, installations. And people come to you with their ideas. Yeah, so they can build this. Japan actually, or... so <clears throat> how does it happen? They they have some kind of a, of a, a plan, and they they go through a selection with the guys from Waking Life, and then this plan comes to me, and uh, I have to make it work by some way or an, or another. So for the tower, for example, it happened like this. So those uh, German guys uh, wanted to build a, 
a lighthouse on the side of the on the side of the lake. But I was thinking, like, man, if you build a lighthouse, that's cool, okay. But uh, we're kind of dreamers here, right? So we gotta take a step further. So why don't we make it float and have it in the middle of the lake and uh, have a floating lighthouse? That that could be cool, no? And uh, so they went with that idea. I did the calculations and uh, and uh, the, the the preparations to have the the lighthouse on the water and floating around instead of having it on the side of the lake. And it worked. And it's still floating. So I'm super proud actually of uh, what we achieved uh, as a team. I can't wait to go and see it in person. Yeah, you have to. Yes. Actually, I got a few pictures. Uh, a few days ago, still floating around, but uh, yeah, for four, uh, I guess three or four years now. I'm not sure. Wow. And how do I, how do I join your team? Like, I, I admit I'm one of those people that can barely hold the hammer correctly at this point, but uh, how do I join your it's team? It's kind of enlisting as a volunteer into Waking Life. Um, I think you can go to their site and, uh, and have a, a checkout on, on what can happen there. It's wakinglife.pt, so uh, maybe you should go and have a look. For the rest, they're very nice people, but uh, you you have to enlist in a kind of a volunteering scheme, and then uh, they, I suppose, they will contact you further on. And so this is how I got stuck in Portugal. Oh. So I was inspecting the structures on uh, last year, February, March. I was inspecting the structures for to prepare uh, a work week in April. And COVID, um, well, hit pretty much in February, March, right? Something mm -hmm. like this. Yeah, March. So 20. I had the decision to make if I stayed in Portugal or if I go back to Belgium. In Belgium, I didn't have anything... Uh, left that uh, holding me back. I was a bit bored of the life there and so on. And so, not knowing that it would have taken that long, I decided to stay a few more weeks in, uh, in Portugal. Well, that was something else. So, uh, instead of a few weeks, it turned out to be a few uh, months. And um, on the waking life part, when we knew that uh, waking life was not going to happen anymore, <coughs> Uh, I had to find a plan B because I was kind of stuck in um, in uh, Portugal without uh, work, without a car, without uh, a, a place to stay. So I um, I had a friend with who I worked together in uh, Waking Life to do the preparation in February, and she told me, "Man, you have to meet this guy. He has a huge domain in Azeitão." And um, he's looking for people to build something in his place. He has a, a kind of a yoga studio and um, he has an organization that calls uh, Pequeno Buddha, I think. I'm not sure. Shori Mashi, if I'm uh, mistaken. And uh, so the guy uh, teaches kids to meditate, etc. And he had the dream of having a treehouse on his property. And so we went looking, we talked a bit, and as a matter of fact, we built a three-story treehouse in his garden then. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, and this is now used for kids to chill out and hang out, so it's kind of a nice thing also. 
And this was, was during quarantine. So uh, after a while, quarantine stopped. And we're uh, now we're after summer, so it's more or less September, October. And then, um, well, let's uh, surf the wave then and try to stay and uh, see what happens. And then I decided to enlist uh, with a with uh, the uncle of the guy, which has a huge property, and he needed a few people to um, to work there. And this is what I did. And so everything uh, seemed nice to have a fixed kind of job and to be able to have myself sustained here. And um, this worked out. So then it has been already years and years I'm checking for uh, this boat. Eh? And with uh, COVID, there was uh, something happening on the boat market. So uh, a lot of people uh, were panicking. So uh, I was having a look on the boat sites uh, that are second-handed uh, a lot, and I saw the prices go down by a lot. And uh, I still had this dream when I was seven of owning and living on a boat, and uh, the prices started to be very attractive, and uh, I could buy kind of a nice boat, for uh, cheap prices, and so I let... Where were you living at the time? At in, that in time, I was living in a tent, actually. Okay. On a property of a friend, which I helped out also by building stuff for her, etc., which she is a dancer uh, from South Africa and Portuguese. And, um, yeah, so she, she kindly offered me a, a place in her garden in exchange of a a few uh, bips and bobs on her property, which I uh, gladly accepted. And um, yeah, that was it. So uh, after seeing those prices go down with the boats, I kind of started hesitating and saying, man, this, this might be the moment to take the, the step. And so I saw boats going down in prices hugely, like 40% down. And uh, I just told myself, man, this is now or never. So I tried uh, to to make everything uh, work. I had a financial plan uh, kind of built up with the help of my parents. And uh, um, yeah, it's a huge investment also. It's kind of a house, so there's many possibilities also. And uh, so I have kind of a business plan. And then my parents, and uh, thanks to my grandfather, that is actually the one that was holding my hand whilst I was uh, asking, man, I want to live on a boat. Uh, well, he kind of woke me up also to the technical part of anything. So I really, it's kind of a homage also to my grandfather. Uh, and uh, I made it happen. And uh, now it's, uh, what next? Yeah, so how did you find this boat in particular? Well, this is a nice story too. Uh, so I was uh, surfing on the internet, uh, looking at prices, etc., etc. And uh, sometimes you see something happen. And I saw this boat with the background. There was the bridge of, uh, of uh, Lisbon, so the Vinticinca Abril. And uh, there was a price, which was very interesting. But there was no phone number and no email account. 
What? So, at that moment, I could only recognize the name of the boat, which is Santa Teresa. And it has a huge lettering on the side. So, I was kind of going uh, a bit undercover agent-wise. I started going on Instagram and so on, and, uh, and I think Santa Teresa sailing. And suddenly, the boat that uh, I saw on the, on the adver uh, advert uh, appeared in my screen. So I knew it was for sale, but I didn't have a way of connection to the guy. And I contacted him through Instagram. And he responded. I had a visit a week later. And um, yeah, it was a nice boat. There's a few things to fix, etc., etc. But with my knowledge from uh, before, I was uh, able to, to have a good view on, uh, of it. And uh, I decided to, uh, to take the plunge, right? Yeah. And you, would, with all your background and your skills, you knew exactly how much it would cost to fix it and compare to the well, price. And... It's a boat. Eh? There's always a surprise. Uh, there's an acronym, I guess it's called. Uh, boat is bring another thousand. <laughs> so um, it's expensive. It's an expensive way of life. But for me, it's a dream and it's all about the dream. And how has it been? So when did you, when were you able to step onto this boat and call it your own? Uh, February. February. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I had to, to wait. Uh, well, I'm still waiting for papers, I guess, uh, to uh, have it completely uh, legal and ready to sail. Because now I'm still a bit stuck. Uh, I'm waiting for papers to, to be able to sail. But uh, I'm taking my time. It has been already 30 years. Uh, this thing is in the making, so it won't hurt for the next few months. Uh, but we're here yet, so uh, already a few big steps have been taken, and I'm uh, kind of proud of it. So yeah. yeah, congratulations! I mean, we're here in this boat, and it is beautiful, and it's thank really you. it's very spacious. Well, thank you. Compared to you, what, yeah. when I stepped on, I'm like, okay, what's this going to be like? And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've got two bathrooms here. Yeah. And two yeah. Two bathrooms, three rooms, but I use one as a, as a um, kind of a, a storage room, and uh, yeah, and a, a nice place to to sit around the table, a little uh, galley, and a chart table. Um, it's a forty-five foot boat, so it's it's kind of big. And um, well, now the plan would be to stay a bit in Portugal, have a bit of a stability wise. But um, I'm trying to contact now uh, the universities of Lisbon or in Portugal to maybe do a few of uh, maritime uh, research. So I would gladly take in some students to go have a sail around and to have some, uh, <clears throat> some samples of the water taken or anything that is uh, marine related to, for research. Uh, if that would be able to relieve me a bit of the price of the marina, that would be nice. Mm. Uh, because this is the, 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 the main cost on a boat, it's your marina now. Uh, but uh, a boat gets cheap when it's sailed. So uh, I'm planning on having a year or two of preparations and see how the boat feels, etc. And then just start sailing around. So what would be the purpose of this would be to take on people, have them, uh, have them on the boat for a few days uh, and do some uh, port hopping. So go from one port to another and show people what sailing is. 
uh, have them go around. I don't have to make a lot of money. Just uh, maintaining the boat is already a lot of money, though. So it would be nice to ha have this way of life. So sailing around with people coming on and show them what's happening. It can be done with uh, a lot of online workers because, man, in any port you come, you have uh, internet at the end of the day. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of seeing where the, the possibilities of my boat will take me. And I'm open for any suggestions. So uh, that's also the thing I can uh, throw into the, into the air. Yeah, listeners, if you have any suggestions, please contact me on the website, theschooloftravels.com. But that's amazing. So you do, like you said, you want like a year to to get everything ready. Yeah, I yeah. Guess you're in Portugal. Yeah, because Portugal then... is kind of cheap to live, but it's uh, still a uh, well. The marina is an expensive place to be. So uh, do you mind if I ask how much like for typical boats they charge? Because I I know what I'm gonna be paying for you, my you, apartment in rent. It's kind here. of a, a rent of an apartment. Okay. Yeah, let's say yeah. this. It's a uh, it's a three three room uh, place. So uh, well, in Li it's cheaper than a three room place in Lisbon. That's for sure. <laughs> But uh, it's still kind of expensive. But it's a different way of life. And uh, if you're tired of the place you are, you can just uh, hoist your sails. Yeah. What's the longest sailing trip you've done up to now? Oh, I know you were working, like you said, you were fitting the boats. and Yeah, but I did a few competitions also. And I did some uh, sailing around, let's say. Uh, I have been um, sailing um, a lot in uh, the um, in the north also. So between uh, Sweden and uh, Lithuania, I have been sailing with the trimaran of a friend a lot. Uh, I had a lots of fun there in Sweden. Uh, I also learned uh, how to build, uh, how to how to bend wood with a guy uh, with a, uh, a Scottish guy in Sweden that makes his own oaken boats. I spent there a few months of my life. It was uh, super nice. Then uh, in, a, in a crazy way, I had a few months left. So I decided to buy a little boat there, a five meter boat without a cabin, nothing. And I sailed back to Belgium, which had, uh, yeah, which uh, was a huge adventure. I went through Denmark uh, and uh, Sweden and uh, a part of Germany. Were you by yourself? When you yeah, wow. and um, then also my brother-in-law came and helped me, which was which was kind of nice. We had a few adventures over there because uh, we had an encounter with another Swedish uh, boat, uh, which we helped cross. But then, actually, my boat, my little boat that I bought for five hundred euros, sank in uh, mm. in Germany because of uh, a stupid misplanning of the guy I was sailing with. Uh, on his big boat, so I was towing my little boat out of the harbor, but the guy left too late, so uh, we had kind of a problem with uh, the depth of the water, so we ran aground with his boat, and oh my boy. boat kind of destroyed his self in between the boat and the sandbank. Oh my god! We were saved by the coast guard, and then, uh, well, yeah, then we just uh, left it there, and uh, my boat is now, uh, my little boat now is. Uh, a flower um, pot uh, in the city of Nordenay in um, in uh, Germany. Wow! <laughs> yeah, many adventures. Yeah, where is your like? I where's your dream sailing destination with this boat? Where would you like to go? Ooh. So I have a deal with my uh, with my nephew. 
he's crazy about Hawaii. So, oh. and uh, I, I kind of bet, I kind of have a bet with him running. So we said uh, 2030 in Hawaii. So this is kind of a, <clears throat> yeah, let's say a kind of an objective, but there's many places. Yeah? Uh, the, the globe is covered with 70% of water. So I can go anywhere and there's plenty of time, I would say. So it's just doing it again. Yeah? Um, but to warm up, I might do first some Mediterranean Sea and I kind of attracted more to Madagascar and then go to uh, India, uh, through India to um, more of the Asian countries and then might turn down to to Australia, etc. But the, the, the way is long, so... And, well, I see what happens. This is also something with sailing. You, you, you can plan something, but it always changes. You're dependent dependent on the weather, on the quality of your life, on the on the state of your boat, etc. So uh, let's see what happens. Yeah. This is uh, most of the things, actually. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you got to achieve your dream. Well, this is yeah. I'm very glad and uh, yeah, very happy that I have this chance because I have a lot of friends that uh, all have dreams but uh, just don't get there. Uh, it hasn't been done in one day, but uh, I went for it for a long time. And yeah, I'm glad I, I reached it with the help of, of my friends, my family, etc. So yeah, I'm kind of happy. But it's always good uh, to have your dreams, but it not always makes you happy also. Uh, or or, um, or very uh, uh, com accomplished. There's always something else. Uh, sharing it with somebody is always something that you that gives any dream uh, another dimension. So this is also something that you can share with anybody. So if you invite some people to do these crossings and to show them around in another world that is not theirs, this is what uh, will give me more rewards than even just having this boat. That's what I do love so much about your dream in particular is like, as soon as you got it, you were thinking of ways to share it with other people. Yeah, why not? Because yeah. uh, the experience I have and I had is so nice that I want to share it. It, it doesn't matter and it doesn't be, have to be a, a I give you this, you give me that kind of thing. But it's so nice, man. And People should see the oceans like it is. It's such a nice world. We know more about the moon than about our own oceans. This is stupid. And on the other hand, and that's why also I want to give a, a, a shout out and, and a push to the, to the universities. Man, I'm a boat owner now. I would like to help and uh, let's be there for each other. And if I can take people to sensibilize them to what's happening here, also about microplastics and, and anything that happens around the oceans, man, that would make uh, that would make my dream something that means something. And I think this is what uh, we look for in life. It's meaning. Yeah, and I feel like more and more people are out of touch with like being out in nature and being like 
you know, yeah. learning manual, how to do things with their hands. It's all like touching their phone now. Actually, yes, it is. And I'm a pretty manual guy, so I'm used to working with my hands, etc. And sometimes I forget that a lot of people are just sitting behind a desk all day. And this shouldn't be, okay? You, you have a nice life, but uh, we're not made to sit behind a computer. We're made to live life and to be hurt. Uh, to get a slap in the face once in a while, but to get back up and just to do stuff and, to and take explore risks. and take risks and, and, and be bold, like uh, Steve Jobs would have said. But yeah, and if you fail, you fail, whatever, you did it. Uh, at least you did it. No regrets in the way that uh, I'm uh, 60 years old right now and uh, my dream was to sail around the world, but I'm too old now. No, man, do it. Just do it. It's never too late. Ah, man. Your heart's beating. Man, it can be tomorrow, but it can be in five days, but give yourself the possibility to reach your dreams and just fucking do it. I feel like I have to end it right there. That is such a great way yeah. to end. Maybe you should. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Jippe, so much for no problem. sharing pleasure. your story, having us on this amazing boat, and I can't wait to... I, I hope I can follow up with you. Ah, maybe, yeah, yeah. And see what has well, you've, you've made of this... This whole venture, this whole dream. Well, now I'm going back to Belgium for work uh, a few months uh, to have uh, yeah some money to to be able to uh, maintain this dream. So and uh, then I'll be back and try to put uh, those things on the road. So if anybody feels inspired or uh, whatsoever. Uh, or has any ideas, I'm open for uh, comments. Yeah, if people want to get in touch with you or follow what you're doing, what, where can they go? Well, I have uh, an Instagram account, uh, Jeppe de Bourse, and I have also... I'll get the spelling for that uh, list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get it off. And uh, I have so also a Facebook account where you can follow what I am doing, but this is more kind of an um, uh, external memory for me. So... Uh, yeah, just uh, just check it out. Don't be mad if I don't respond straight away. I, I have a lot of work. I I still work a full time job also. So um, but that's inspiring. Yeah. You're working a full time job, but you're also a boat owner. And you're yeah, that's ready. that's ADHD for you. There you go. There you go. And uh, yeah, and so yeah, uh, but um, I'm always uh, up to to see if there's constructive ways of sharing things. Thank you very much. There you go. Yeah, and enjoy your boat. Thank you so much. <laughs> it has been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Jippe, for your inspiring story of boat life and also learning how to build and make things for yourself. I think this is something that younger generations seem to be losing in life. So it's refreshing to hear from someone who has been a builder his whole life whether it's tree houses, boats, or festival floats. I hope that Jippe is able to share his boat with students and researchers in the future and take many people on sailing adventures. If you'd like a tour of Jippe's boat, you can go to theschooloftravels.com and click on episode 60. I will also put a link to the Waking Life Festival in Portugal, where you can volunteer to help build floats for future festivals, even if you've never built before. Thank you for listening, and until next time, listeners, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay tuned. Thanks for listening to the School of Travels podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, 
we'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to The Sam Chase for allowing us to use their song, In a Perfect World. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode, and remember to always let travel be your teacher. If you keep your options open, there are places you will go. They will treat you like the kings and queens your parents thought you'd be when you were born. You'd see it all with your head up standing tall, and you'd look back and think it's funny how you spent your time and money in this world. Living in this perfect world.